it needs more, right? So like one, one, seriously, I get bored. One day I was just bored. I'm like, I'm going to Walmart. I'm going to Walmart. Got like two different spray cans. Threw them yeah. up there and then figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah, I man, like just just have fun with it. Yeah, man. It's a little sticky still, but you know. Uh, it happens. It's spray paint, dude. It's going to be a little sticky. Yeah. So we got Bill on the show right now. We're going to cover more like 2A related stuff here, especially right now because things are really hot. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we want to have this conversation because there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of either sugarcoating or running around, you know, beating around the bush in certain things, right? So I just want to see your perspective and, you know, we're, we just, just have a good conversations here. But before we do that, if you don't mind just giving a little bit about yourself to the audience, you know, uh, what is it you do? What's your little bit of your background and, uh, you know, what's your purpose for what you do? Because what, what you're doing is just not simply instructing how to shoot a gun. You have a purpose behind it. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. So, um, taking, taking the words from my friend Ian, who owns a company called Rue Nation. Um, he's a phenomenal firearm instructor, a phenomenal individual. Um, one of the things he said in a class that I took from him was it's not about making good shooters. It's about making better humans. Um, that's a, that's a big part of one of the reasons why I started ballistic consulting, um, is for a need to kind of be a, um, better example for the firearms community altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of machismo, a lot of bravado in the firearms industry. Um, and, and I think that kind of turns a lot of people away from guns in general, um, where I try to make a more inclusive environment uh, and welcoming environment to bring people into the community to kind of show people like, you know, firearms is more of a common sense thing and a responsibility thing more than anything. And, you know, you, you might go on Instagram, you might go on YouTube and you see certain individuals, certain characters, you know, but that's really what they are at the end of the day. They're, they're a persona. They're not, it's something that they put on for the camera. Um, it's not necessarily a good representation or a truthful representation of the firearms community, in my opinion. And really that's what my purpose is, is to kind of be a more, um, genuine, authentic example to the firearms community. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. You know, I really feel that because um, I purchased my first firearms last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just getting myself involved with more and more people in this whole community. And I tell you, man, it's been nothing but good people. People are willing to help. People who are literally people of integrity. Um, and all this stuff. Humble people for the most most part. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, because when you, like, especially now, I'm seeing all over Twitter. Or Twitter's just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a menacing place to be in. It's definitely I'm sure. Recorded. So I'm on there and I hear how people talk about people in the gun community or gun mm-hmm. owners. And I'm just like, you guys have that totally wrong. Like legit. Oh, yeah. if, if we were to get, you know, a lot of these people who are making this insane claims of gun owners are obsessed, gun owners are this, they're crazy, whatever, don't care for life. I'm like, you're totally wrong. If you were to get around these people that I've met, like Ballistic and the others, uh, what's the name of the range again? Uh, Lapuenzo Fishing yes. Game. So, like, the gentleman we met over there, great mm-hmm. people, fantastic. I mean, you will see that all humble, all care, all, you know, we're professional about the way we're going, and they're fun as fuck. I mean, it's kind of... Yeah, man. Uh, you know, specifically in Pennsylvania, where, where I'm at, you know, um, there is a, a very deep-rooted... Um, I don't want to call them FUDs, you know, because I don't want to hurt the old, the old blood's feelings, but... Um, <laughs> 
you know, there, there are a lot of older individuals who've been in the firearms community, you know, your NRA types, um, Mm -hmm. who are very kind of anti-modern, um, second amendment culture. Uh, and what I mean by modern second amendment is like people showing up to the range dressed like, you know, professional soldiers or, you know, military personnel in general, you know, they're showing up with Kevlar, they're showing up Mm -hmm. with body armor. Some people are buying, you know, night vision devices now. Um, you know, people are training to a higher standard. They're holding themselves to a higher standard and they're showing up to the range to be, uh, to develop a professional skill set. Um, and you know, Pennsylvania has a very long rooted history of NRA types, older individuals who put restraints on the community, you know, like very low, um, like non rapid fire, for example, like, you know, you can only shoot one round, like every three seconds and, you know, you're really not going to get proficient, um, on running a gun fast or quick, you know, shooting at that cadence. I mean, you can get proficient on a gun in terms of like your grip, your sight, your trigger, which I call like the three prime fundamentals. Um, you know, you can get really proficient at that shooting slow, but when you really want to get down to the nitty gritty and really put the paces in and get really proficient in your gun by running it fast and hard, you need an environment that allows you to do that so you can be as proficient as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get to a point where you need to defend yourself, you revert to your highest level of training Yeah, and, yeah. and being able to train at that pace, you know, and have that high level of training, you'll be, you know, you increase your survivability in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you brought up some good points there and I, there's actually one part I really want to uh, point out because I've seen people, are that type and not even the older ones i've seen younger people as well uh there's this one guy he's an influencer i believe he was a marine mm-hmm. uh, and he made a video pretty angry about it civilians using like you know the, the whole kevlar the body kit all the stuff like that uh yeah. the nods you know because they're not soldiers right they're just uh, civilians using this gear right uh you're a former military uh, i believe you're a ma- yeah. marines as well right yes yeah now, so yeah yeah yeah, so you want me? Do you want me to go into that? I kind of, I kind of <laughs> yeah. got went off into a tangent. Good, bro. So, you, know, you know what happened? He shaved down his beard. I just noticed. Yeah, right yeah, now. I shaved my so, beard down. Everyone, everyone's been complimenting me, and they're like, "Dude, you look like you've lost weight." I was like, "Nah, I just shaved my beard. That's it." <laughs> yeah, it looks good, bro. I, you know, I, I keep it long to cover the double chin I have right yeah. now. You know, nobody needs to know about that. But yeah, I want to know your, you know, your opinions on that because, like me personally, uh, at first I wasn't sure, you know, how to feel about it, but now. You know, I look at the Second Amendment not just as a way to own guns, but as a responsibility. And that responsibility comes with, you know, training and all this other stuff and whatnot. Yeah. I want to see what you think. So, you know, to, to kind of start it off, um, you know, my name's Bill Kerner. Um, I, I'm a former United States Marine. Uh, I served from 2008 to 2012. I, I was with uh, 1st Battalion, 3rd Marines out in Hawaii. Um, I did, you know, my four year enlistment deployed a couple times to Afghanistan. My first deployment was to the Nawa district of Hellman. Um, and my second deployment was to Gamshir, uh, which is like right on the border of uh, Pakistan, I believe if, I, if my geography is correct. Um, you know, my first deployment was like every infantryman's dream, every Marine Corps rifleman's dream. You know, it was a very kinetic deployment, lots of firefights. Uh, you know, the longest firefight I was in was 10 hours long um, in February um, in 2010. Um, and then, you know, we were also part of the the assault on Marja as well, um, which was like, I don't know. 
sorry, my dog's losing it right now. But um, I I don't know exactly uh, how big the assault was compared to some of the other urban assaults, but um, I think it was like the largest uh, military push on a urbanized city since like Fallujah. Um, So it was, it was a pretty big operation. um, Pretty intense for the most part, for some people, not as intense for me as like one six, which was another unit that was in that AO. Um, they, they got calm. They became combat ineffective, like five or six months into their, their deployment. And they had to rip out early. Mm. Like that's how heavy the fighting was for them when they were there. Um, so, you know, after that, uh, after my time in the military, I, I kind of got out, um, spent some time in Hawaii, living it up, uh, (laughs) and, uh, moved back to Pennsylvania in 2013, um, got, weirdly enough i uh i started working in the film industry um oh. as a g&e guy which is just a fancy term of saying grip and electric so i've worked on some films music videos and stuff like that uh, and i did that for about three years before i kind of got tired of the community there um and then uh you know i only got back in the firearms recently like in 2018 and then i bought my first handgun in 2019 mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of just hit the ground running from there. And then, uh, I would say, um, in 2020, it was like right at the beginning of COVID, excuse me. Um, I, I went to the SIG Academy and went to a five day instructor course there, which was their patrol rifle instructor course, which is like a very, um, it's very focused on law enforcement curriculum. Mm. Um, and I went through the class with like a ton of SWAT officers some former green beret guys, um and then uh got my certification from them and then spent a year training with different instructors uh like rick from achilles heel tactical donovan from point one tactics jj Ricaza, who is a phenomenal competition uh uspsa shooter um who else a bunch of bunch of different instructors uh and then got into competing myself so i've done uspsa steel challenge uh, and i'm a b-class steel challenge shooter and, um, I was just like, cool, man, you know, I'm, I've, I've learned some things. I've put some, uh, some knowledge to the test and competition. Mm-hmm. And then I took the instructor certification and started ballistic consulting as a way to kind of build community around the second amendment and kind of try to, to drive the culture in a different direction that was more inclusive and welcoming to, to newer individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now like, so I didn't know that about him. Okay, so this to me is like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. And guys, this is important because what he just shared uh, really, you know, what, what it tells me is that what he's going to speak about, what we're going to speak about, there's a lot of value here, right? There's a lot, there's good perspective here, right? And we're going to have more people on to, to see different ideas on it. But uh, back to like the question we were asking about, Bill. So when it comes to like the civilian use of like, let's say the military grade weapon, uh, let's say, uh, you know, the vest, the belt, right. the knots, all that stuff. As you as a former Marine who has a lot of experience, right? How do you personally feel civilians utilizing those stuff and actually training with this stuff? Is this, uh, you know, this, I see, I've heard other instructors who are not crazy. I mean, not instructors, but other people who are vets who are not crazy about that one stuff. Uh, I mean, dude, I'm a, I'm a big believer in personal liberty, man. Um, like, you know, I, I, weirdly enough, like I'm a, I'm a pro choice guy, you know, I'm, I'm pro the individual's choice. Right. Mm. So 
like some people who are conservative might not, you know, like that, but I'm also a big believer in, in self-responsibility too. And a part of self-responsibility is being able to defend yourself when it, when the time comes, if it mm-hmm. comes, um, even if it's a 0.001% chance, there's still a percentage there that it might happen. Yeah. Um, so being prepared for that slight percentage or that slight chance that something bad might happen is a good thing in my opinion. And yeah. I, I, I think it's great when people are out there training with the, the equipment that they're buying and spending their money on and then using it in productive ways. Um, and they're not just buying this stuff to like look good for the gram and then it sits in the closet and then they never get any repetitions on it. So like mm-hmm. people who are out there actually like training with the gear that they have, I think it's great. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of good examples and good role models out there on Instagram as much as I kind of hate social media and what it's turned the uh, gun community into. Um, I think there's still a lot of good examples out there that people can, can look to. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, like uh, Achilles heel tactical on Instagram, Rune nation on Instagram, point one tactics, JJ Ricasa, a friend of mine, Sam Callahan, who's up there in the Poconos. Um, you know, there's tons of great examples. Bull Creek is another one. Uh, great instructors, great examples, great leaders in the community. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just to your question, I think it's great that people are out there putting the reps in and putting the work in to use it. I'm yeah. all for it. Yeah. You know, I think and, it's great. And that's a, that's a big thing that you pointed out because there are people who just buy stuff just to show it off. Right. Just like, yeah. hey, look, I, I have a whole kit. Take the gram out of the what range. The somewhere. Of <laughs> I've yeah. never much, understood you know? that. It's just people, people are just different, man. When it comes to social media, they just want those likes to rack up, right? Yeah, I think and, that's a good, yeah. a, a good, uh, a good, um, yeah, critique. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I've seen, dude, I've seen it in multiple, like, it's just not even in the gun community. I mean, even in other stuff, like, uh, oh, musicians, all over the place. I see people, place. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah. I have a guitar, I don't post pictures with my guitar or anything because I stopped playing it. Uh, people say I'm good at it. Me, I feel like I'm trash at it. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna post it up there just to be like, yeah, I'm playing a beautiful <laughs> song. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do yeah. that. You know, it's just my personal stuff there. But um, to what you were saying too, like, I, I agree. I think it's really important that these people are, who are buying it are actually putting the reps in, right? Um, getting that training in and whatnot. I haven't even bought anything crazy because I'm like, I just need to get used to the holster, the yeah, stuff now. But once I get myself situated, then. Bill's my guy, so I know. Hey, uh, <laughs> what should I get, man? <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, I'll give you tons of options, dude. Oh, dude, it's we gotta we gotta give some tips for Catherine right here to get a rifle. But even before we get on that, let's keep tackling this a little bit here. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, so now people are getting kitted up. I personally believe that's very important to do so. Uh, one to defend yourself, yes, because um, you know, you're mentioning it's a small percentage of people, you know, that you might have to utilize them. Personally, mm-hmm. myself, I've experienced that growing up. I've seen it. I've seen other people who've experienced it in different degrees, different levels, some tragic, some, you know, there's, there's just a little crazy and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it could happen to anyone, right? You know, Catherine, you know my story a little bit. I was eight, look, I was eight years old with my entire family. We were all taken hostage for hours in Ecuador. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. something we would have never expected. Yeah, it's rough. It happened. Yeah, it happened. You know, um, I've seen other friends who, who've, same thing but to a higher degree and you wouldn't have expect that so to be prepared i don't think it's living in fear because that's another thing i see a lot it's like oh you live your life in fear that's the big argument i hear from people who are pushing gun control 
Uh, you must live in so much fear if you feel like you have to have firearms and guns and stuff like that. And it's can, to me, it's can like, I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, go right like, ahead. Like to please. to your to your point there, I think there. I think there's a difference between paranoia and preparedness, right? Exactly. Like it's, it's one thing to be paranoid, but then it's another thing to be prepared. Um, and like, what I mean by that is if, you know, a person who might be paranoid is someone who like think that thinks that everyone's out to get them. They're always looking over their shoulder. They're always hyper aware, hyperactive and, and like just paranoid that something bad is going to happen at any moment at any time. Mm -hmm. But being prepared is like uh, having a certain level of confidence that, you know, if something bad does happen, you know, you can literally flick the switch like that and take care of the things that you need to take care of mm -hmm. and being able to process things in your mind in the level of importance when, when shit hits the fan. So I think Absolutely. there's like a difference. I think there's a difference in paranoia and preparedness where paranoia, I think they probably both share a level of fear, I'm sure, yeah. but um, paranoia is like a whole different level. And then which there are certain individuals out there who have an extreme level of paranoia. <laughs> and there yeah. are other people who have a very healthy level of preparedness, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause, um, 2020 revolutionized my mind when it comes to all mm -hmm. of this. Right. Cause you know, what happened in 2020 for all of us is something that, that any, nobody here would expect. Right. Did you guys expect that to be like that? Yeah, I mean, no. from one day to another, I'm like, yeah, I'm working. And the next day I'm like, holy crap, the world just shut down. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's insane, man. It's insane. So it, it kind of shows you like being prepared is smart because when that was going on, uh, for some reason, the world decided to uh, hoard, uh, what's it? Toilet paper. Like if it was yeah. fucking gold, you know, it's it insane. <laughs> I was mad. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to wipe my ass no more <laughs> if these people keep taking this shit. Well, yeah. I think that's a good example of paranoia and fear, right? Like yeah. no one, when yeah, COVID first does. happened, right? When COVID first happened, no one knew anything about it. All we knew is the initial reports. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I, I think the way that the, the way COVID was communicated to us was very irresponsible. Mm. You know, a lot of speculation. Like I remember saying that, you know, when I first went back to work, it was masks and gloves because if you touched anything, you were going to get COVID. <laughs> and then they realized like, well, that's not how the virus is transmitted. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just like, you know, you have these things where it's like, oh my God, this is what's, I guess like, it's also like, I guess you could argue that's a level of preparedness too. It's like, cause you don't know exactly what's being, yeah, how what's it's out being there? transmitted or exactly. what's happening. So I you should take spray myself extra... with Lysol. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, people <laughs> washing their vegetables, their produce, you know? Bro, Amazon and, would drop off a box. I'm sorry. Amazon <laughs> would drop off a box. All over. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people, you know, again, like you, you can take a, take that comparison to paranoia, yeah. paranoia and preparedness. And they both come from a certain level of fear. And then that individual can take that to the next level. You know, I say it's all, but again, it's, I think it just comes down to, um, the level of, uh, I guess like mental fortitude an individual has to be mm. prepared for a situation to not like lose uh perspective of like what matters in those situations. Right. Like, like you were saying, people like freaking the hell out and then ripping toilet paper because people were just buying up toilet paper. So everyone had to buy toilet paper. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I'm not buying toilet paper. I bought a freaking bidet and installed a bidet <laughs> on my freaking toilet, dude. You know what I mean? Like, Wait, hold on. We did, we actually, <laughs> I was living in Staten Island, the same thing we did over there. Yo, <laughs> yo, let me tell you, man, this sounds this sounds so inappropriate. This is like like no homo or whatever. But that tickle, man, 
You know, it, it gets all the poop <laughs> It feels good, bro. It's a phenomenal <laughs> feeling, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> hey, if you guys haven't don't have one, get a bidet. I'm about to actually tell my wife as we're gonna order one soon. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but no, it, it's crazy, man, because <laughs> That's upper middle class problems. <laughs> hey, bidets are actually very affordable nowadays. Yes, they are. They're, and they're not very really hard to install neither. They're very easy. No, they're not. So, guys, get that tinkle down there, man. It helps. <laughs> uh, but, no, you know, it, it's insane because, um, you know, again, 2020, I remember when it first happened, one of the first things I did, and I guess this could have been more of a side of paranoia, because the way it was communicated seemed like the world was going to end at some point. Like, oh, bodies yeah. being loaded up in trucks. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So what's the first thing I did? I bought a fucking bow from Amazon, right? <laughs> and um, anybody who's into archery and listening to this, they're probably like, what the fuck? Not a good idea. So I had no knowledge of how to pull, draw back, anything. I'm glad that I didn't explode in my face. Because uh, I think <laughs> a lot of dumb shit. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when I got that and I'm looking throughout, you know, we're passing on the moments that are happening. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? It's going to be time to start considering to be prepared, not to live in the fear of, holy shit, the world's going to end tomorrow. But if the world could just shut down from one day to another, and then we have all these, what I look as extreme actions happening from our government and, uh, you know, different groups of people. Yeah. Being prepared does not seem like a bad idea whatsoever. Now, I don't, I say, don't live your life in fear where you're preventing yourself from progressing and building a business or building something. But um, don't turn a blind eye on preparing just in case something does happen, right? Yeah, and I, I think I think having a level of preparedness also helps diminish a level of fear that an individual might feel at any specific time, right? Like again, it's that level of confidence I mentioned earlier, to yeah. where like if you're prepared to a certain point and you have that confidence to be like, okay, if shit hits the fan. I have the mental fortitude to kind of like break things down into levels of importance and handle those situations as they come and and how they come. So Mm. I I think like being prepared is kind of a way of having that sense of security, that sense of safety that you can fall back onto if shit hits the fan. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think, I think people who are, I think people who fail to be prepared have a certain, you know, like ignorance is bliss, right? Like if you think you live in some, like I think there are some people out there who think that like America is this fucking utopia. Can I curse? I don't know. Like yeah, hell yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I like. <laughs> I, I think Let's there are a lot go, of bro. <laughs> you know, like people. People don't like some people. I think truly believe that America is like some utopian, right? Mm. And and if you believe that, you, you you probably live in a bubble, right? So, like, not everybody is is having a good time in the yeah. world. You know what I mean? So it's like. You gotta be prepared for when bad shit happens. If of course. it happens, of course, yeah. You, you know, like, and yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Like I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I genuinely believe we live live in a great country, right? Well, there's so much potential here. Um, unfortunately, it's a lot going on that's trying to take that away, right? Like you know, yeah. I, I compared the lifestyle I had here and the lifestyle I had when I lived in Ecuador. I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I do miss Ecuador. I do want to go visit, but I will not. I will never leave this country. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see the level of liberty we, we've been promised here. You know, the things we can do here, even now that we can do here, that we can't do in Ecuador. Try to buy an AR-15 in Ecuador with the amount yeah. of crime, kidnappings, and, and just all this insane stuff out there, right? So, you know, experiencing that, being here, I'm like, look, this country is not, you know, it's not in utopia, right? 
And I feel like these pe- a lot of people with the same thing have the idea that it is. And they're living in this bubble where they're like, you know, just give this up, give that up, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, you guys don't know what you're doing. I mean, there's other countries that wish they had the things we can have here to be able to either protect ourselves or say what we want to say, you know? Because you could say some crazy shit here. And that, <laughs> so you could get canceled, but you, your, your government, well, I don't know. Nowadays, it's a little choppy. But yeah. uh, other countries, you'll go missing. You know, Catherine, actually, the her family's from Cuba. And <laughs> I don't know if it's... I'm sorry, Catherine, if I'm not... No, you could, just, you could talk her, about her, it. I, her I dad... Yeah. No, her dad said some crazy shit. And, you know, he was put to jail for it, right? What was yeah. it that she, he said? He wa- He basically said that um, that Fidel's cast- Fidel Castro's mother is a piece of shit for giving birth <laughs> to a piece of shit monster like Fidel Castro. <laughs> and then there was an informant because in the communist regimes, there's an informant in every single block. And it's insane yep. to even think that that's even a thing, but apparently it is. And so someone ratted on him. He's been running from the Cuban military for the absolute longest. I mean, this was when he was in Cuba because he didn't want to serve the cuban regime because literally you're not doing anything all you're doing is you're in the farmland like literally cutting sugar cane and you're serving the regime you're not doing anything productive and basically when you're 18 years old men automatically have to go in and serve and what he did was just basically run from it um so he had that and then basically he said that that was like the topping on the cake they came to go find him and basically they gave him seven years instead of 15 because he made a deal with the with the regime that he was going to leave Cuba as soon as he was released and never came back. My mom's the only one that's allowed to go there. But mm, um, but Cuba actually had uh, gun control uh, laws that were in place, like the firearms registry. And then later, um, Fidel Castro, he came in in 1959. And then he was just talking about just more gun control. He's like, you know, why does anybody need this, especially when the government is for the people? You know, and then later after after he came in, like a few days later, he started confiscating guns and then he started executing people that were not with him. He killed about one hundred and forty one thousand Cubans and all that. It's like people don't know, man. You give these people an inch. They're going to take they're going to take everything. The Cubans in Miami, bro, they know what's up. They know what's up. The Cubans, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I wasn't a Trump supporter at first. Right. And, you know, when he, when he was running for 2020, they vote for him. But uh, when I saw in Miami brief prior to me supporting Trump, I see all the Cubans, a ton of Cubans rocking the flags, the America flag and all that. I just never understood it. I mean, now we're in 2022. I, I definitely understand why they're like that about the country in general, you know, because yeah. they know what it is over there. I mean, Cuba had the whole ordeal last year and what they defend themselves with stick and stones sticks and you know? stones same and thing the... with same thing uh venezuela venezuela is mm-hmm. not a, you know I'm, my best friend is from venezuela and uh the shit that goes down there is insane too you know a, a lot of these countries are right so to your point bill it's like yeah you know this is not a utopia but uh we we can't take for granted what we do have or what we can have you yeah. know and I, I think those are both interesting perspectives right and I, again like people who live in America, they have, I, I truly think they take their personal liberty for granted so much to the point where they're, they're willing to sacrifice their liberties for a sense of a false sense, in my opinion, uh, of comfort, security, and safety. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's really, I've always, I'm always been a firm believer that any law that is designed to take away personal responsibility makes a weaker society. 
Right, so say it again. Say it again. I, I, <laughs> that needs to be heard I one more that. time. Say that again. <laughs> Shit, I need to write this down and quote it. Say it again. <laughs> I, I, so I, like I said, I, I, I'm a very big, firm believer that any law that is made that is that is designed to take away personal responsibility mm. creates a weaker society. Ooh, I got goosebumps. Because <laughs> here's like, the thing. I, I mean, this is like my personal opinion on these laws. I mean here's the thing it's like you're stopping the law-abiding citizens in my opinion because criminals right. are criminals they don't yeah. have any regard for human life and because and they're criminals because they break laws so i don't understand the point of this i mean from your perspective i don't know if you agree but that's my stance on it because it just it it just make it make sense you know i i don't agree in prohibition in any sense mm-hmm. um whether it's gun alcohol booze drugs right um the war on drugs, for example, is a failed experiment. And funny enough, the war on drugs was started by the CIA who opened up freaking traffic chains from South America into poor black neighborhoods on the West Coast. And, you know, the crack epidemic, you know, I when when the Texas shooting happened, I, I did some research into the spike of gun crime in America, mostly homicides and mass shootings and stuff like that, mm. not suicides. Um, because gun suicides has been fairly steady in America for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but gun crime specifically spiked uh, a couple times in America, once during the 1920s of the prohibition against alcohol, which created um, organized crime. And then the government created the NFA, which is the law we have now for like tax stamps for SBRs, fully automatic guns and everything like em. that. <laughs> but they created that to prevent criminals from buying fully automatic guns Mm. so people anyone who wanted to buy fully automatic gun had to get the permission from the government because you know these these uh booze runners were you know basically outperforming the law enforcement that was trying to enforce prohibition and then the american government's like well i guess we shouldn't try to tell citizens what they can and can't do um so they they withdrew uh those laws and then again, during the 1980s, 1990s, um, there was a huge spike in gun crime that has a correlation to the um, crack epidemic, you know? Um, and that's another reason why the assault weapons ban in 1994 was enacted, um, mm-hmm. because they tried to curb the violence, which didn't happen. Um, you know, we still had gun violence, and it, I, I feel like if guns are part of a society and the base issue is violence. Mm-hmm. If you take guns away, you're still going to have violence. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, the output of that violence is going to change. Right. Yeah. Um, but now if you fast forward to today and you try to, let's say you ban all guns, you confiscate guns. What are you going to do then? You create a black market for firearms. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have gun runners in America. It's going to happen. It will It will happen because, again, yeah. any example you have of prohibition in America, organized crime is created around it. So you're never – and, you know, like um, like Catherine, right? How – what you explained, um, <laughs> you, you know, you take guns away from law-abiding citizens, you're probably just going to see an increase of crime rates because there's no longer a deterrence for criminals to not commit crime. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I think what you'll see is a, a mass spike in violence again if if guns become prohibited. 
in America, especially since there's so many in circulation already. Hmm. Like it wouldn't be hard for guns to end up in the wrong person's hands. Yeah, they already they already end up. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't persecute people for straw purchases. You know yeah. that I I used to work in a gun shop. Uh, and you know, who's the first line of defense for a straw purchase guys like me who are selling guns to people mm. and like understanding what that a straw purchase looks like, mm-hmm. you know, like there's tons of training and example about it, but like, you know, if, if people who are sell I, the people who are selling guns need to be better, better educated on to stopping bad purchases Yeah, is really what it comes down to. But also I think that we have gun laws that are already in place that aren't being enforced either. Yeah, like I yeah. don't know when the last time someone got persecuted for a straw purchase, or let's say someone who bought a gun for themselves and then it was in their cousin's car, and their cousin's car got broken into, and now they don't know where the gun is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, I, I don't think there's a, I, I I don't think there's much being done to enforce the laws that we already have, and they're just looking to throw more laws onto the books that make guns bad or, or prohibit it and uh, it's not really going to do anything it's not and you know what some of these some of these laws and stuff are just ridiculous you know like uh you mentioned nfas right um yo <laughs> you could have an ar that's 16 inches with a regular buttstock and a vertical yeah bit, right but if you get a, a one that's a, a shorter barrel let's say like i have an 11 and a half if mm-hmm. I put the same grip, that foregrip on it and the buttstock on it, it's a problem, right? Yeah. Now, if you look at the brace and the buttstock, I mean, I, I don't see much of a difference except the bottom being a little flimsy. I know there's a difference in purpose, but, yeah. you know, like utilization and whatnot. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, these laws make no fucking sense. What's well, that, that's the other side of the coin, too. You have people making laws and legislations on firearms that don't understand firearms. Yeah, that's that's big. That's really big. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like a lot of these people pushing gun control is the same thing. They just don't understand it, you know, and even, you know, even, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, even to take a step above that, it's like, you know, what you were mentioning, uh, you know, the spikes in, in uh, with gun violence and all this other stuff. And I'm just sitting here and, I, and I'm also thinking, it's like, you know, these people want to throw more laws. Actually, like you said, they want to throw more laws on us, right? They want to throw more laws, but we're not tackling the real issue that's happening here. Yep. What I'm seeing here is not a gun problem, you know? What I see is uh, what the bigger problem is is a mental health issue that's really bad. Yeah, and I would I would also even go further and say that that's a wealth disparity issue as well. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. If you, if you look at the areas in America that have the worst gun crime, mm. uh, let's say, like, let's say, um, like, violent gun altercations, right? Like, whether that's suicide, homicide, whatever it might be. Mm. And it's weird. So poor white neighborhoods have the highest suicide rates and poor black neighborhoods have the highest homicide rates. So like one thing that that tells me is that areas that have like wealth disparity or areas of like extreme poverty in America have the highest gun issues in America. Oh yeah. And then you look at like blue cities, right? Mm -hmm. Someone posted something the other day where if you were to remove like the five most violent cities in America, uh, America would be like a hundred and like 89th on the list of violent countries in the world. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I, I would love to see that. That's insane. And, and I wouldn't doubt it either. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think the, the cities that were on there was like, I think it was Chicago, Philadelphia, LA, New York, 
um, and something else. They were all blue cities. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I don't, I don't want to like get super political and say if that's an issue, but um, or if that's the underlying cause. But I, I think at at the root cause of violence in America, poverty is the biggest issue. Yo, let me tell you something, man. I didn't, I didn't come from uh, Golden Spoons or any of that, right? The neighborhoods I grew in, you know, that's this is something that really bothers me because you say that and it's very true. So you're going to take away a lot of these people who are law-abiding citizens in these neighborhoods who use these as, as a means to, as defense. And make it harder for them to be able to get exactly. their hands on something Look, to be able to protect themselves. I wasn't yeah. a saint growing up. I wasn't the craziest, thank God. But I had a lot of very good friends who... <laughs> Weren't good people, you know. I loved them to death for those times. I don't no connection to them now, but let me tell you, man, they they had it and they had it on them all the time, you know. And uh, some of them made victims of the wrong people, you know. And it's just like that's what you're doing, bro. These people have it. They're gonna find a way. I've seen it, and I know that's gonna happen either way, right? They're not dumb. And what you're doing is that you're gonna take away from the people who are willing to who can defend them. So it's like uh, I saw this video of a guy who broke into this woman's house. Like, he was right behind her, just kicked the door in, and then, you know, did what he did with her. And I'm like, it's crazy, because, you know, let's say she would have caught a whiff of that. You know, maybe maybe not, but if she had a, a chance to fight and defend herself, you know, damn well, she should have taken that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I look at states like uh, like New York. I lived in New York City. Dude, it's crazy. From what I'm, my, or New Jersey, too, from my understanding over there is that if somebody comes in your house, you have to retreat. Yeah. You got yo. Let me tell you, man. I, I, again, where I grew up, man, you don't retreat. We from we from Florida, right? <laughs> Captain. We from Florida. Do we retreat? No. Nah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you come into our house, bro. You, somebody's getting. I don't care if it's a pipe or a gun. You're getting laid down. If I'm not getting laid down, yeah. You know, it's just crazy. That's crazy though that you can't you can't do anything, bro. It's insane. Like New Jersey, I'm like, okay, I can't carry New Jersey, but I tell you right now, I know for a fact when I'm in like if I'm going to through Newark or even if I'm here in PA when I go to Philadelphia even though you can't carry in Pennsylvania, um, you you know people hold them, bro. There's no doubt Oh, yeah, in my dude, mind. people, Come on. there are a ton of people in Philadelphia who carry illegally, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I say that out of, like, the condition of it being a law in Philadelphia of that course, you have yeah. to have a license to carry, but so many people carry guns illegally in Pennsylvania or in oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. It happens all the time because, I mean, like these, dude. I mean, there's a reason why people, yeah. There's a reason why people call it Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's bad. (laughs) It's fucking. You know, it's it's a it's dude. It's a fucking it's a fucking rough city, man. It's a rough city. It is. You know, and it and and like I I don't I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a social engineer. You know, like I don't I don't know what the answer would be. but I think that there is a – I think if there is a, a lax sense of unified community, the more susceptible an area is to violence, mm-hmm. right? Agree, yeah. Um, and, you know, like that saying, it takes a village, dude. And yeah. I think that – I think like right now the way that our political parties run their campaigns and how they're designed – to polarize, you know, um, both from both sides, Democrat, Republican, yeah. you know, uh, something that was interesting to me, I, I think uh, Ronnie, you and I talked about this when we were at the range together was like, uh, the, whoever wins the political campaign for president, right. And they mm-hmm. get elected president, the next candidates 
copy that individual, right? So like what happened when Obama became president? Everyone started to talk like Obama. Every single political candidate started to talk like Obama. Yeah. Same mannerisms, everything. Um, Trump ran. Trump became president. And, you know, he did a – he he pushed, uh, let's say, like very radical views. Mm-hmm. I would say he – let's say he piggybacked off a of radical movements on the right to push mm-hmm. his campaign. And then – when the left ran, they did the same thing, and it's called like winner takes all politics. And now you have this thing where both sides of the fence are catering to the most extreme demographics yeah. of their politics. And then now we have this polarizing issue where like people are creating an identity around their political party. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, your identity is your political candidate. No, it's insane. You know what's crazy? It's crazy that you say that because. I almost fell into that. I, you know, I'll admit that. And yeah. the reason why is because I got so angry at one, at, you know, at, let's say at the left in this case, I got so angry with the with the threats, with the stuff they said about my children that weren't even born. Oh yeah, stuff dude. I was going so angry that I was falling into the camp. So I was like, oh, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm an American, bro. <laughs> Before <anything. laughs> you know, what I'm saying like, like I, I, I'm a registered Republican. Yes, that's what I vote for right now because that aligns more with my values. Yeah, not all of them, but some of them do, and opposed to the left that I really don't see that very much, right? So I'm going to obviously go where my value, our family right, values correct. lies. Uh, but I'm not going to put myself in a place where that's that's my identity. That's that's yeah. everything I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, you know, it's crazy because of – so I was talking to a guy who works – and we're going to have him on here. He works with uh, Doug Mastriano, okay, who's running for governor for Republican Party. And I'm like, all right, you know, I would love to work with you guys. And we were getting to know, talk to each other and everything. And I told him flat out, I was like, look, you know – I don't know Mastriano. He seems like a great guy. I don't know him so very well. Um, I've heard good things about him from others. And to be quite frank with you, you know, as long as I see him try stay true to the value, you know, American values, I'm there 100%. You yeah. Know? But if it's not there, then I'm not going to keep my mouth closed and just say, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. No. no, no right. No. Yeah. And, you and you know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong for a person uh, voting for what aligns with their values and morals, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, that's what makes America, America. In my opinion, you know, I, I, I think we're a very diverse nation and I think our strength lies in our variety. And I think as the more we become polarized and the more we believe that the other side is the enemy, um, like you're never going to get to a point where people can see eye to eye. Right. And you lose mm-hmm. and, and everyone's so everyone's so focused on issues that don't matter. Right. And we could say that, like using the gun violence argument. Right. We can say that, like, OK, well. Obviously, gun violence is a problem, which means guns are a problem. So let's slap a, bla- a band-aid and get rid of guns on a pro- and call it a fix for a problem that needs stitches. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And you know, you know how much money America spends on the gun rights argument, both sides combined? Like over $20 million, dude. $20 million that goes into gun lobbyist movements. It's insane. It's a lot. It's, crazy. it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, and that, that is, that is combined. That is pro gun and anti gun spending together. Obviously more money. I think, um, the pro gun lobbyist movement spends way more money than the (laughs) anti gun movement does by like millions and millions of dollars. But like, that's a lot of money over a conversation about guns. That isn't the underlying issue for violence in America. In my, in my opinion, what I I see, agree. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
it's like, okay, what are you doing? Like, instead of like spending $20 million on like the fight for gun rights, maybe use that money and like build community centers and communities. And like, I don't know, use that money to put better, to pay teachers better in, in like, you know, poor neighborhoods that need better teachers and better schools. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. That's just Crazy. how I look at it. Maybe no, I'm no, oversimplifying no. it. No, you know no, I mean? no, no. You're hundred percent right. Dude. Like what you're saying is gold, like this microphone gold, <laughs> you know? <what> I'm <laughs> and because like, dude, like, especially like these, uh, these neighborhoods where there's like these whole financial issues and everything's going on, right. Where there's a lot of poverty. There, if we were to pour into these neighborhoods and we were to like pay teachers better, make t- teachers who want to be there, not just educate our students, but mentor students. Right. Um, yeah. you know, uh, give opportunities there. Find ways to. A lot of dads, like, I'm, how many kids or people do I know whose dads are not in the picture? And that makes right. a difference. Like, being a dad myself, you know, I see my kids, I see what influence it carries over in my kids' life. I'm like, yo, my dad really wasn't around. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I grew up with the wrong people doing the wrong things. But I'm here help correcting my children. And I see, you know, families need a strong father, a father who's present, just like a mother. They need a mother who's strong, who's present, right? Yeah. So instead of so I, arguing I wanna, about it, <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to ask you, like, um, since you like kind of grew up in a father's home, you just mentioned who, who was, what was your guiding force? Like, you know, like what gave you a sense of morals growing up? Like that kind of like helped you stay straight, no yeah. matter like how far off you stray from the path. So like, you know, my mom did her best, man. My mom really did good. Uh, I almost lost her, you know, during the whole transition, I dropped out of school because I was always taking care of my sister. You know, and, and then I started getting around the wrong people who, you know, I started smoking pot, had drugs come in my house, you know, I had other things, uh, all kinds of crazy. I had people tattooed to the face and everything. They'll come in the crib. <laughs> my aunt, I remember she came from Ecuador. She wouldn't want to leave her room because she's like, these people look scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is like me out of like out of high school and shit, right? Uh, my dad, I grew up really close to him. And then we had a really bad separation in my youth. Uh, Catherine, I think you remember when that whole thing went over there. Because I spoke to you, actually. When yeah, happened. I've known you and since, then, like, seventh grade. I know bro, she's wow. known me forever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, me and my dad started talking back in, like, 2015. Like, it was so, it was a ton of years. And that time there, you know, I didn't have nobody I could speak to. Or when I lived in Ecuador, my dad wasn't there. He lived in the States, you know. So who did I look up to? I just tried, me personally, I was looking for a male figure. You know, I realized that when I was older, like, I've always found myself, like, to older men, like, wanting to talk to them, wanting to do things they did, want to hang out with them. And, you know, some of them taught me good things, man. I was very blessed. But then some others, you know, strayed me away. What what took me to start making a transition was uh, I remember this day, like, yesterday, right? I was sitting down in this log. And, you know, this, this something person in our family, which I can't share out of respect for the other person, had happened where, you know, I almost lost that purpose person completely to the justice system so you know so that was rattling my head so we went to north carolina it was me and my brother his brother uh he's like my best friend i call him my brother and we're sitting in the trailer park in, in washington i mean north carolina i don't know why i said washington north carolina sitting log we're smoking pot this guy comes out the trailer pulls with a 45 and just starts blowing away a, a tv and i'm just laughing at it you know mind you my brother's a blood uh you know this guy i don't know what gang he's in and but he's a drug dealer and, you know, they're, they're shooting there. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, dude, if I stay here, um, I'm probably going to be on the other side of the pistol at some point. Because I grew up yeah. very soft and they were toughing me up, but uh, not for the right reasons, right? So I'm like, I, I need to change something. And I've just packed my shit, went to New York. I was an atheist um, when I came to New York, you know, hardcore atheist. I hated Christians. I didn't want nothing to do with churches whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? I was just an angry dude. I was always picking fights and all this stupid shit. 
until one day uh, I just realized like, yo, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And um, I went to church. You know, somebody invited me to church. I went, gave my life to Christ at that point. Uh, it's been a very, very rough journey, you know, and I love it because, you know, I'm transparent to, about myself to who I am with God. But uh, that started giving me a moral compass. And then I got around one of my uncles who was, uh, he was an army vet. He fought in uh, Afghanistan as well. He's, you know, he uh, he's a big example to me. You know, he's somebody I really look up to and I see him married for so many years. I'm like, I want that. I want that. You know, I don't want to keep fucking around all this other shit. I want somebody I could build his life for. So it just became, bro, self-development after that, man. Just pursuing it, just telling myself, I got to be better. I got to be better. And I did a lot of bad shit along the way. <laughs> but that's how I found it, man. Doing bad shit, figuring it out. You know, I don't recommend it to anybody, bro. Please. <laughs> you can find a mentor, find a mentor. Don't do this shit I did because <laughs> it's a lot of slack you know, that, to the faces. <laughs> that that That's actually a really good story, right? Like, I, I'm yes, not – and, dude, like, this is why I, – I, funny enough, one of the reasons why I got into filmmaking and the yeah. film industry is because – the the power that stories have right mm-hmm. i mean like dude humans have been telling stories since the beginning of time bro yeah, like and, and our stories even in our mythology right like those have always been our guiding factors in life right like you look at like greek mythology all the stories they have you know the hero's journey everything like that you know they teach us how to handle adversity and sh- struggles in our life and like what it means to be like a good human being and like, I'm not a super religious person, but I've always respected, I grew up Catholic. So mm-hmm. my mom is extremely Catholic and she probably won't like me uh, mentioning this, but, um, I've, one of the reasons why I would say that I'm not a practicing Catholic, I, I, I would probably say I'm more of a, an agnostic, you know, like a, a spiritual agnostic. Like I believe in the, the goodness of individuals and I believe in humanity and I believe that like the universe will provide, um, whether that's God or whatever that version is, you know, like whatever entity is. Um, But like, I never bash people for being religious because like you said, that's a guiding force in your life. And for me to freaking step on that is so disrespectful. And I think that's like like a big reason why we have so many fucking problems in America. Right. (laughs) Like you see, you see someone, right. And like, I don't think people think about that. Right. If they just took the second to talk to you, and then hear that story and be like, wow, like his religion means a lot to him because it literally, you could argue that it saved your life. In fact, I bet, I'm sure you feel like it saved your life. Oh yeah. Plenty of times. Because remember, and, you know, one thing I grew up Catholic too. And yeah. I, I tell people like Catholic Catholicism is what made me an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. But like, you know, and so like if they took the time to sit there, I guarantee you people would think twice to be a, shitting on your life you know what i'm saying and and i think that's like where we've lost i think we've lost our com- our ability to communicate with people 100%. and our i i think we have lost our ability to adapt to change and then just being okay with difference in life right mm-hmm. like not everyone's going to be on the same page dude mm-hmm. so it's like why waste the energy to try to get everyone on the same page when you could just be like well what makes us the same right like we yeah. both want the same comforts, right? We yeah. both want the same thing out of life, happiness, you know, just to be able to live without fear of prosecution for whatever reason of people course. feel like they to prosecute us for. And it's like, dude, just there's so much power in the human story. It's ridiculous, it's dude. Insane. And I agree. And you know, like as as connected as as connected as we are through like social media, like everyone is 
telling their own stories, but no one wants to fucking listen mm-hmm. to each other. They just want they just want you to listen what they have to say because they want you to think like they do, and they don't respect the way you think, exactly. and vice versa. Like it, and, and people don't realize that. Like I, I think America's like super hypocritical, man. Mm. And I, one of the reasons why, one of the things I look at to as like a a great example of hypocrisy in America is if you look at like let's say the George Floyd protests and January 6th. Oh, oh yeah, that's ooh, right. I could talk about that. <laughs> and it's like it, it's like okay, look, you have you have and I went to a George Floyd protest. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I went to one. Because I was tired of seeing what other people were saying through the lens of social media. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to go to these events and I want to see what it's about. Respect, and I saw yeah. all dude, I saw all kinds of shit, dude, like crazy stuff. And like for the most part, it was actually a very positive atmosphere. Yeah. Um, now, granted, like Philly went kind of crazy in the beginning of the George Floyd protests, um, and that was like past curfew. But mm. like during the day, like it was actually very somber and and very like a lot of unity and community. Um, even from like uh, and like the police were minding their own business and stuff. Uh, but they're like I said, there it, it was very bad in the beginning. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of bad shit happened. Um, and then the Philly Police Department kind of changed up their uh, operating procedures to kind of not fire up the crowd because mm. what what is what was happening was there was a lot of instigators, right? So there'd be an instigator on the one side, then you have Philly tough guy cop dude who's like I'm gonna smash this motherfucker now. Yeah, you know, and and I and again violence begets violence, dude. Like yeah. it's it's true, right? Yeah. But then you and then you have people on the right side of the fence watching that shit. And they're like, look at these people burning down their communities, right? Burning down their communities and blah, 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 right? And then they go and fucking almost stage a coup and assault the Capitol, right? Not everyone on the right, but a a group of them. And that's, in my opinion, hypocrisy, American hypocrisy at its finest. It's Mm -hmm. like every side, like they see it and all they want to see is their own justification, right? But they fail to see how like really they're going – after the same stuff, right? Some sense of personal liberty, Here, right? You know, like that's where yeah. it all stems from. Yeah, yeah, you know? 100%. And it's crazy that you mentioned that because like, you know, that's that's something I'm constantly debating with people right now. Uh, <laughs> especially on Twitter. I'm telling you, Twitter's like a war zone, man. Like a social media, like death. It's that's why I'm not on it, dude. <laughs> I love it. I have fun on it at this point. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, I see it. It's like, look, you know, if you ask me about the whole cap, the whole like situation at the Capitol, I, for one, I'll tell it right off the bat, you know, I don't agree with it, but I do believe that they're, they're uh, blowing it way out of proportion of what it was, you know, like, dude, there was footage of, like, FBI agents doing some funny shit, and then just on top of that, just the way they're talking about it, saying it's like, it's almost like the way they're painting it was like, if the whole building was bombed and, and all this crazy stuff. Granted, there uh, was some real crazies there, out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying. So I'm, I want to clarify. There was. I'm not yeah, yeah. sitting here just saying that it was I all peaceful. I say release all the footage and let the American people decide what it and was. And there's so stuff. There's stuff everything. coming out from from the hearings right now. But my thing is like, you know, when it comes to them, like, look, we got to see. And and I'm always talking about accountability for January 6th, but we also have to have the accountability for what happened in the summer because that's right. almost like almost forgotten for the most part, right? When I talk to these people, they just look at me like. Like deer, you know, like a deer looking at a car, oncoming car. But here's the point I want to, here's where I'm getting at with this point. Between both of them, because I've been in BLM protests myself, like back in yeah. 2016, or back then. Um, I've, fa- I've gotten face to face with cops. I was more of a liberal. Like I, I've cursed cops out in the face, you know, all this right. other shit. I was, I was stupid. But 
I can say that there is a common enemy in both camps, right? And that's what people are missing. And that's what I try to tell people. Like, look, I keep pointing out the BLM thing, but because of the bad that happened, but I'm also going to call out here because there was some bad shit that happened there too. But let's let's call it what it is. There's something that's there that's enticing problems on both sides because they want the divisiveness here. Oh, you know yeah, definitely. It's, it's with anything, even like guns, like guns. Like there's a reason why they're pointing at guns, but they're not pointing at the mental health issues. Because you look at, you know, I looked at, I'm looking at this kid that did the shooting that killed those kids, man. It breaks my heart. As a parent, it crushes my heart. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the pain that goes through, that, that's going through these parents' heads, right? But I'm looking at, Stuff of, of this, uh, the one that committed the crime and kind of his background and stuff like that. And just like, it's, there's a lot of things that don't sit well with me in that whatsoever, right? Now, this is like, uh, I listen to this podcast. They always talk about like trying to put the aluminum hat, uh, <laughs> aluminum foil hat at the moment. Yeah, tin foil hat on. The tin foil hat on. And, you know, and I'm about to put it on right now, but it's it's crazy because like I'm looking at this and I'm like, only co- also considering how this kid got all the shit that he got, you know coming from a place of poverty just blows my mind right i mean i, I was oh, credit there. cards bro that's what i'm saying like i wasn't there so i don't know but it just like right off the back it blows my mind then yeah. uh, you know it's there's definitely that kid had a mental health issue 100 percent for sure right and how now they're trying to push different agendas on there to create more divisiveness instead of unity to fix this situation and that's yeah. what kills me and that's the same thing with these protests and riots and all this stuff right it's like, you know, when the BLM was happening, Catherine, I don't know if you saw the articles, but there was pallets of bricks just popping up. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, like out of nowhere, what? there were things that were staged. Like, it, it was it was really weird. I'll be and honest January with you, 6th, that's, that's the whole reason why I got my gun. Exactly. Like- and, then Gen- <laughs> and then January 6th, me too, bro. I was, dude, my, yeah. wife, my wife was pregnant with two my kids. My first and, gun. Dude, my wife, was, my wife was pregnant with two kids. I posted something about one of the shootings regarding with an officer, and I'm like, the officer wasn't in the wrong. I genuinely don't think he was. I posted it on Facebook, and um, they threat somebody was threatening like you know about spitting and killing my my two unborn children. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's it, it, it was crazy. But then you look at January 6th, you see these, the officers opening the gates amongst other shit that was happening there too, and it's like both sides there were things that were way the fuck off. You know, yeah. and we got to really look at those situations. See, like, why did this happen? Why yeah. were those pallets popping up? Who were these guys that wouldn't even? Yeah, where are they come from, here? right? Like, where no one fuck? knows who put those pallets there, right? Like, you need, yeah. like, you know, you need, like, you need some type of logistics know-how yeah. to, like, you don't bring just drop pallets <laughs> of brick. Yeah, like, you just don't drop pallets of bricks in the middle of the street. Like, there's logistical planning that goes into that. So, who's planning? Who's doing the logistics of that situation? Right? And that's, like no one that's knows. It. No one's talking about that because we're probably so distracted and just dis, uh, discrediting every movement. And like, here's the thing too, man. Like I'm not, one of the things that bothered me a lot because we were talking about communism earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I went to the George Floyd protest, there were individuals of the Socialist Rifle Association actively recruiting, trying to recruit military-aged males. Um, and then there was also communist movements passing out, uh, extremist propaganda That's as well. Insane. And obviously like me being who I am, I, yeah. and you know, what I look like, you know, a cisgendered white male in those environments. Like I, I didn't quit. I gave it because I was interested. And a lot of the times, like what they're asking for is very unreasonable. It's like, okay, you want to dismantle all these systems. But what are you going to put in place for when, yeah all these things are out of the picture, you know, like they were like, Oh, we want, we want to, we want to see the release of all political prisoners. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? What are they in jail for? 
Mm. You know what I mean? And then, okay, if they are released, like what happens then? Or like, if you want to shut down like all state penitentiaries and release all prisoners, like how are you going to filter the prisoners out of there? Are you just going to let all of them out? Like, oh, it seems here that you're a pedophile rapist and murderer. So yeah, you're good. (laughs) Welcome back to society. It's like, dude, it doesn't work like that. It's unrealistic, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. and and you know it's like kind of crazy i kind of i should have saved it i kind of wish i saved the paper but like i I took a look at it and i threw it out immediately but um you know like there are these there are these unseen forces at these events that are encouraging discourse or not discourse but they're encouraging um uh polarity and anger and Mm -hmm. instigating violence uh, they are out there 100%. now who yeah. they are no i don't fucking know who they are i'd like to know who they are there's 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 a there's there's Damn, ideas I of people gone wanting. to one now i wanted to know all of that <laughs> no, listen, well dude these, that's what i'm saying right? that's like, what nobody talks about bro, nobody's talking right, about yeah. any of that when when i was when i went to the the last time i ever went to a blm program it was in time mm-hmm. i was in Times square and i went to meet up with a group of people and uh, I got booted out because I looked like a cop. I was, I'm not a cop. And I got kicked out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. And, like, they were really weird, bro. These people were so fucking weird, bro. It was crazy. The way they, they just stood in front of me, I'm like, uh, I'm about to get jumped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I walked away. And then, um, you know, I, I really started just started paying attention to stuff. And I was not as crazy as what he saw. But it's also stuff I'm like, all right, maybe I have to. You know, I'll just step away. And then I just stepped away and never got involved in anything whatsoever until 20, really 2020, right? Yeah. Um, and it, but, Bill, I want I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know, you know, we're, we're coming up to the time to wrap up soon. But I want to cover, I want to ask you two things, right? Or cover two different things. One, these people, like the communists and stuff like that, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're recruiting people and all that. I believe that, and, and I've seen it, and it's it bothers me because, look, this country... Like it's a powerful country, right? This country has so much so much room to to grow into things that are just unbelievable. That's good for people, right? Like there's yeah. so much room for it, and that's a threat to many other people and countries as well. Now, they can't just come here and just land, you know, hold an occupation with the military here. I mean, the just citizens alone with weapons are just going to give them a hard time. We see how Ukraine is pushing back on Russia right now. Like we'll give them yeah. a real hard time, right? My thing is, it's like, you know, well, if you can't do that, then what other way can you really break apart a system or a nation or country, empire, whatever you want to call it, and really start pushing other ideals in that are just anti-American, anti-liberty you know, or whatever it, is, whatever it is that you want to label it, right? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because my thing is, like, I look at, there's another caravan right now coming from uh, Latin oh, America. Yeah. You don't know who's it, yeah. coming through there. You nope. do not know who's coming through so it makes me yeah. think if this could be that could be a legitimate invasion, right? People are coming in and they're doing all such a sorts of shit that doesn't need to be happening here. Yeah. Right. What do you think on that one before we I hit the next one? <laughs> so I, I would say this, right? Like I going back to like my first year in college, I took a world political class. Um, and on the last essay, oh the the final exam, there was an essay question and it was like uh, justify what like social economic system is the best, right? Mm. Communism, capitalism, or socialism. And I was like, I'm not going to answer this question because I think it's a trick question because Mm. I don't think any system is better than any other one. It's only as strong as the individuals we choose to run it. Mm. Right. So communism, socialism, capitalism, they all sound great on paper. Right. And 
but they're only as strong as the person running it. And if the person running it's a corrupt piece of shit, the system is going to be a corrupt piece of shit. Capitalism could be a bad thing with the right people, with the wrong people. Yeah. I mean, like American capitalism is, can very much become a plutocracy very fast on plutocracy. What that is, is a, as a form of government that is ran by rich people, which we're very on the borderline of, as it is, already with super PACs and lobbyists and stuff like that and billionaire corporate billionaires influencing political figures. Um, You know, they, they, I I think the fastest way to fix every problem we have in America is money transparency. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I'd be like, where's, where's the money coming from? Where's it going and how it's being allocated. And like, dude, like if, if, if you remove the veil from politics the game would change real fast and then the other thing i would say like if you if we put term limits on congress members you know senate members and shit like that and then if we were and if if you didn't get benefits for being a political like a career politician and if you were i think if you remove protections from political figures the game would change real fast you know because then it's like okay well I better be careful about what I do in office and make sure that I serve the people as best they can. Because when I leave office, I lose my protection detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm telling you right now, like that's, that's, that's big. You know, that's something that I really actually think about too much, but that's uh bigger than, you know, a lot of people, I guarantee you that if you were to say that to majority of Americans on either side, they would agree with that. Yeah. Like, like except politicians. Think- Well, yeah, of course, because they don't want their shit taken, right? Right. Well, you know, one of the things I like what politicians say all the time, you don't need guns, but I need 12 armed guards at me at all times. That's what I'm I'm saying. Like, you know, you guys, you guys are going to be very well protected. We're over here. We're going to be in the trenches and not very well protected. Yeah. Right. You know, and I I got a family. I got to protect my family. You're going to tell me I I only can protect with my fist. I mean, I can't, but not everybody's carrying fist. (laughs) You know, now, yeah. you know, well, everybody's carrying fists. <laughs> Let me correct that. But, you know, um, some people are just going to look at my fist and be like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, come on, let's <laughs> yeah, be real. Dude. So it, it's, it's crazy. Now, transitioning to the second part of that, right? So I agree with all those changes, you know, and obviously, I guess we can, I guess we can agree that there's something definitely wrong coming to the border because we don't know who's coming in. It could dismantle everything that's going on, right? Yeah. You mentioned earlier on how pretty much there's no tolerance from either side to one another. Like that's where we're getting right. right? Yeah. What I see happening in this country, if this, if that doesn't get fixed, if people don't know how to fix that, it's like, it's going to keep bottlenecking. Right. And it's going to keep building up, building up. Like, you know, I, I thankfully I took a step back. I'm like, okay, cool. I want to listen to sides and, you know, I'm not trying to get that far out. I'm pissed. I'm pissed as fuck about a lot of shit. You know, and I know on the other side as well, too, you see on Twitter, like you think if you look at Twitter and Twitter was the defining point of what will happen in this country, you think this country is going to war tomorrow. <laughs> like, I kid you not. Like, that's how Twitter is. Right. You know, but if you look outside of social media, it's just it, it doesn't really seem that, you know, that serious. So in my head is like, I believe that if this keeps building up, there's going to be a conflict here. An unfortunate one that people not going to want. But it's just people growing that to that level of um. You know, animosity against each other. Hopefully, I said the right word, but you know, yeah. towards each other, and it's just it's just gonna blow up at some point. Or you know, I see that something happens that's a unifying moment that just starts settling the smoke or whatnot. 
I mean, it, it's kind of hard, but I'm leaning towards more. I see conflict happening. I don't want it to. I, I think it's, nobody <laughs> wants it to. Hopefully, well, there's people that do, unfortunately, but I don't think it's something that I don't want my kids to experience, especially. But it's just, it seems crazy, right? Like, it, it just seems like there's so much shit happening at the moment that it's just, yo, it's bad, bro. I, I, I like to call what's going on right now a political cold civil war. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> you know, I, I I talk about this a lot, right? Um, yeah. Because uh, despite the things now, like I've I've taught martial arts for a really long time since I was 24 years old. I've been teaching kickboxing, Muay Thai. Uh, I'm a jujitsu practitioner. Uh, I, I say it all the time. Like I practice violence so I don't have to use it, right? I, I rely on my ability to de-escalate and my ability to connect and talk to people as a human being. And that's that's my first line of defense mm-hmm. always. That and I practice avoidance. Like I would never put myself in a situation where I might have to take someone's life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, and, absolutely, 100%. But to to your point, I think, you know, uh, to to quote the the uh, Wayne from uh, <laughs> Wayne from uh, what's that show um, on Hulu? Uh, Letterkenny. To quote Wayne from Letterkenny, those <laughs> who've been in a real fight would be so hilarious. quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, he says something I like a lot, where he's like, you know, for those who've been in a real, if you've been in a real fight, you wouldn't be so fast to pick another. That's exactly right. And, and me being someone who have seen Mm -hmm. the best and the worst that humanity has to offer, like war is fucking ugly, dude. And I I think people have a misconception of what war actually fucking looks like. Poverty, sickness, destruction, death. I mean, come on. People, people have a, a glory, especially in America. We have a very glorified view of war and combat. Thanks to Hollywood movies and shit. But, you know, I have seen very ugly things. I have done things that humans shouldn't fucking do, mm-hmm. you know, take life. You know what I'm saying? And there are things that I have dealt with over time. Like I, I'm 70% disabled for PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. And there are things that I struggle with on and off. My PTSD is like a roller coaster. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to go to war. I don't want to see our country fall apart. And some. I don't have this fantasy of being like, yeah, the boogaloo, let's see our country fall apart and overthrow the government and go to civil war with each other and start a race war. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, really, what the, what the fuck is that even going to do for anybody? Right. And, and I can guarantee you, man, like if it, it would, it would get really bad, really fast. And then people would be like, okay, this is fucked. You know, like yeah. violence is never, shouldn't be the, the end all be all to fix your problems. Right not my opinion. And I don't know, man, like I, I have no desire to go back and to see war or to see yeah, dead people, no, I to see agree. dead children, dude, like this shit's fucked, man. Women, I mean, look at children, the shit. babies. Yeah. I mean, it's... dude, I mean, it, all you gotta do is go and look at some of the things that are happening in Ukraine right now. That's what, that's what fucking war looks like. Mm-hmm. You go on TikTok, yeah. you see her. You, you literally see battles happening on there. It's crazy, like the shit you see on TikTok. But th- that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, you know, do you feel that the tension being built right now could potentially lead to something? Like just out of personal opinion. And I don't think I'm, so, man. Yeah. See, here's the thing, dude. I, I think people like their comfort more than they like their their uh, mm-hmm. violence, right? And their this this ridiculous drive of, like, 
overthrowing the government or going to war, starting things up. And, and I think the only people that have these delusions are are the type of people who shoot up schools. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, yeah, you know. Or shoot up poor black <laughs> neighborhoods in New York. Bro, I see it's crazy because, and the reason why I bring that up, like, there was a post a while ago. Actually, I was in a debate in a, in, with a couple of people. These were conservatives, actually, that was debating um, in this instance. <clears throat> Somebody was talking about, you know, it's time. Uh, it's time for, we're due for another civil war. And I had commented right off the back. It's like, no, it's not. You guys got to understand, like, look, I don't like what's going on. I think we need a clean house. I think people need to be fucking persecuted for the shit they're doing. Like, I'll be quite frank. But to go to that level, to that degree, no. Dude, like, I don't want to experience that. Like, I, it's disgusting. It's sad, right? Like, all I see is just pure sadness. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like, I love watching, like, movies like Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk. <laughs> like, those are cool to watch on TV. But if you, if you, if just thinking about the fact to be in a situation like that, that's, it's not cool. Leave it on nah, TV. Man. You know, it's not cool. It's not cool. And having a debate, and there was people, like, coming on both sides. People agreed. People disagreed. When I was looking at the people disagreeing, I'm like, dude, I don't know who these people are, but I, I'm pretty sure most of these people never put themselves or been in a situation where a life was taken or where the adrenaline just fucking comes in so like you don't even know what the fuck you're gonna do, right? Like just yeah. the panic kicks in. They must have never experienced that for them to wanna express that they that it's time for something like that, right? However, then I look at the people now. I'm seeing people on the left. They're like, it's time to just get rid of these more. like pretty much people on the right side, right? So there's conflict there, and this is what I'm getting. That's like I see that conflict being built up. People talking, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? But they're talking about it. And it's like, at what point does it become a, it boils enough where it just, you know, all people like ourselves are like, yo, 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 just chill, put the brakes on it, you know, <laughs> but they're just putting the gas on. I was like, yo, what the fuck? I think, I think what we'll see is, I think if we see any type of revolution, I think what we'll see is a political revolution. I think we'll see more concerned citizens getting involved with politics, um, yeah. more, more independence. And that's really what America needs. America needs more moderates and independents, you know, that, that are in the running for president and political offices. Um, you know, it, that, that's really what's going to help change the fact. And, you know, I think we should change the way our voting processes is done. I think we should have more people to vote for than just two individuals for the white house. Um, and I think we should have more than just Democrats and Republicans. I think that every party should have a voice in Congress and mm-hmm. Senate or wherever people make decisions. Uh, and I also think, like, what the fuck is up with Puerto Rico not having a representative or any choice mm-hmm. in what is made in terms of American policy? Like, it's a it's American territory. They have a person who just shows up and doesn't have anything. And, like, their, their opinion isn't weighed in any way. But, you know, like... Like, that's kind of fucked. Puerto, <laughs> you know what Puerto I mean? Rico, look, let me tell you. Like, I got, you know, my wife, her family's all Puerto Rican. I, I know a ton of Puerto Ricans, right? What they need is a fucking clean, just like we need on our side, a clean house of what's going on over there. Because, yeah. they, 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 you know, just, they got a mess over there, too. But well, I know I, I that, like, their their funds were being misused oh, for it's the a lot, it's a lot, like it's that. A lot yeah. It's a lot of shit. But you know what? That, that typically happens in countries like that. Like, it's just not Puerto Rico. Countries like yeah. that we just tend to have a huge amount of corruption. I mean, we, even us, we're facing that right now too, right? Uh, what you said was big, you know, having that, that political change, right? Because, look, I'm always open to Hey, I vote Republican. I'm supporting it because that, again, that leads more towards my values. But if you really get to know me, like I was talking to a friend who's a Democrat, 
And they're like, you know, it's crazy because like I, I say this and I was really put there more by the left because I disagreed with their shit. Right. But in reality, it's like, dude, like just leave me, I just want to live my life. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah, like, man. I mean, or in the middle, like, yeah. I'm like, look, I, I, I believe we should. I believe we should own firearms. We should be able to exercise that. You know, I don't I personally don't believe uh, abortion is a good thing, but that's an individual. Right. I'm not going to interfere with that. That per- at the end of the day, shit like that, like just like me, I got to answer to God when I, you know, whatever you believe, I got to answer to God at the end of the day, not for them. That's for how me. I look at it, dude. Yeah, that's how I look so, at it. Exactly. So I'm not going to, and I told Catherine this too. I'm like, you know, I don't believe, I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to put my foot in that like that. Yeah, so it's not my right to want, tell you what yeah, you should Yeah, I just doing. don't want, I just don't want my taxpayer money to go into that. That's just me. <clears> right, yeah, books, yeah, right? yeah. You know, and amongst uh, many other things, I'm like, that's where we lay. And there's a lot of people who feel the same exact way, dude. So many people feel the same way. When I look at, like, the Republican Party and Demo- Demo- uh, Democratic Party, who was it I put it? I think it was uh, Andrew Yang. I'm not crazy over him. I do have him on Twitter. He had to mention uh, how silly the idea of two parties is, right? And I'm like, it is. It really is. Matter of fact, you know, I might be crazy enough to say this should be this should just be one and, you know, different ideas. We vote for the person. I mean, how realistic is that? I don't know. But there are red flags that come up too, like you know, in these heavy multiple parties, you hear word where it's like, uh, you know, we just did a video actually not too long ago, an episode, and we were doing research on like democracies and republics and why, you know, in our constitution, the, you know, democracy wasn't mentioned or why we're not a democracy. We have some influence, some influences of that here, but we're a constitution. Oh, we're a republic. republic. America's yeah, a republic. Ex- exactly. So I'm saying yeah. we're we're constitu- what they call a constitutional republic, right? Yeah. Which is two different things, you know. And I see all those red flags there. I'm like, this is just because there's too many different things coming into. It's like a melting pot of shit coming yeah. together. It's so like, like a like a well, true a true democracy, everyone has a voice. But in a republic, we have elected officials that are our voice, right? Mm. And that's that's like the people who make decisions and shit like that. And we we vote for those people, like people in the house and the senate and all that shit. Is that I I don't know, dude. I it's I much- should probably know. No, like, it's, it's, I should it's, probably. It's pretty much. It's pretty much what you're saying. It. It is. Yeah. You know what? Because like, look, democracy. If I'm being quite honest, on paper, it sounds awesome, right? Like we all have a voice and all that. But in reality, if you really think about it, or even in action, like you see some of these big empires, uh, like uh, they believe the Greeks, Rome, are, are perfect examples. Um, yeah. How they fell into democracy and they collapsed off of that. And there's many other examples. That's why, like, our founding fathers. Um, there's a quote, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, which side note, I just found out. So you ever heard of the kite experiment where Benjamin Franklin was with the kite? Yeah. The, that's right down the block from my apartment. Oh, I don't nice. know why that's Richard was fucking dope. Okay. So back <laughs> to saying. But, um, there was, you know, they were having, um, this event, shit, I forget what the name is. I had a brain fart. Essentially somebody asked them, it's like, what'd you guys come up with? Like in a form of government. And what was said is uh, a Republic, if you can keep it right. And this, that's a strong message, right? Because there's. A republic stands strong. You know, we could vote for representatives who speak for us. The problem with republic is, though, like we're seeing now, is that if we're not exercising those rights and getting those right people in, anybody Well, they're not in. speaking for us anymore. Exactly. Maybe wrong people come in and start doing all kinds of shit. But, dude, we got to wrap up now because we're coming up here. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed this, man. I definitely enjoyed this. If it's cool with you, I would love to have you on sometime again. I know, oh, yeah, dude. Uh, this is cool. I, I think the last thing I want to leave off is... uh. What rifle should Catherine get? Because we're <laughs> she's saying Danny Defense. I say fuck it, just put your own together. Uh you know, listen, I here. mean, dude, a Danny D is an, is a is a great rifle. Like you're not gonna go wrong with that rifle. Um, I mean, there, I, me personally, what I would go for is a Bravo Company manufacturer BCM I like rifle. BCM, yeah. 
that's that's what I would go I with. Like I think they're the best gun you can get for their money. They're a great mid-tier gun. Their products are phenomenal. Uh, and that thing will run forever, you know. Um, great products. Aero Precision, uh, that's another great company. Uh, I prefer to build off of Aero platform. But if you're looking for a, a complete rifle from the get, uh, BCM all the way, in my opinion. There you go. There you go. Okay. Now, I'm going to stay with my little Honda Civic of a PSA <laughs> until I could get myself <laughs> my BCM and whatnot. But, dude, thanks for coming on, bro. Very much appreciate Yeah, thanks for having it. me, man. This was fun, man. I, I definitely loved hearing this conversation. I got to get to one yeah, of your yeah. courses again so we can have more of right these on, conversations. Man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, guys, if you guys are listening to this, this add value, this uh something you guys want to hear, do you guys want to see Bill again? I know we're very small, but we're going to grow. And you guys hear this, just just give us the like button, just give us a shout, man, and we'll make it happen. So you guys take care.